Welcome to the Westminster Effects Oxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of Westminster Effects. You can go to westminstereffects.com, give us your money, and I will give you guitar pedals. You can join the discussion in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Support the show. Hey, if you give us an, a dollar a month, I'll give you a shirt. Hit us up. Make sure you subscribe, comment, share, all that good stuff on Facebook and Instagram. In person, I'm joined as usual by... Hey folks, Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And via the interwebs... Hey everybody, John Ross here, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian. Uh, yep, from Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, you, just, you just pulled up Bradley. Sure yeah, did. I... Uh, <laughs> I, I had a little stroke there. Sorry. Do you smell <laughs> toast? Because I smell toast. Oh, I love toast. You might, you might need to. Uh, you might need to put some sound effects of a train going off the rails yeah. <laughs> during your intro right there. Uh, so no main topic this week. Uh, this is going to be the uh, when this comes out. This will be the last uh, Doxology podcast episode of 2020. So we're just going to open it up for a year-end Inquisition episode. And so the Inquisition is typically reserved for the back half of the show, for those of you who are new, where we get questions from listeners in the podcast uh, group on Facebook. So as is tradition, we're going to start with Brian Morris, who asks, instead of you know 2020 being a dumpster fire, as so many are saying, what are the best things that happened in 2020? Hmm. The best things. Well, for one, he didn't kill us. God didn't kill us all. <laughs> well, <laughs> like that's that is a good thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're still breathing. <laughs> we're still breathing. I mean, um, hey, to live is Christ, to die is gain, man. Yep. Yep. Oh, let's so, see. So he gave us a little more time, right? Yeah, yeah he gave I us mean, more time. I oh, I'm sure we could think of you know many subjective things. Are we thinking like big picture, like what didn't what I didn't mean suck in? General? It's a it's a Brian Morris question, so we can do whatever yeah. we want with it, including twist his words out of context. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if we go lighthearted first, yes, we did have sports. We did have sports like that. Did like I I, I remember when the pandemic started and you know, everything was getting canceled. Baseball, mm-hmm. professional golf, the March madness. March madness. And, um, I just thought this is going to be like, we not only are we isolated in our homes, but there is, I, I don't really watch anything on TV except sports. You know, right. I do get into a series here and there, but I just thought this is going to be an incredibly boring year. So thank God that we had baseball did come back. Yeah. Uh, I could not care less about the NBA. Um, Same. We did. We did have a Masters, and we did have college football. We so. got the Last Dance. Speaking of sports, the last. That's right. That was a great. That, that, that was a great thing. Was amazing. Didn't we do an episode on that? Pretty much. Yeah. <clears throat> but we, yeah, we at least talked about some of it. Yeah, yeah I don't think I was there for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might have planned that. <laughs> Maybe I just checked out in the middle of it. Which, yeah. which even even you not being a sports ball fan, John, like you should check out the Last Dance. All it right. is worth it. Is worth it. You know, I, I I I may not be like a sports fanatic where like that's what I choose to watch is like televised uh, sporting events, uh, but I. I do enjoy, I mean, in as much as I enjoy movies in general, like I'm not a huge movie yeah. guy, um, but I like the sports movies, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, anything from the replacements to you know, remember the Titans, mighty ducks, of course, you know, stuff like that. So I, I don't think it'd be outside of the realm of possibility for me to enjoy a, uh, uh a film. I was pretty, I was initially excited to see, that Disney just announced a Clemson-based movie. I watched it. You did? I did. And it, you know what? It It's not the best acting in the world. Right. Uh, not, <laughs> n- not, not the most overly dramatic, but it is a good, feel-good movie. And, man, you, Clemson you, Tigers. You know why I don't want to watch it? Why? Is I'd have to relive some of the Tommy Bowden years. Well, true. <laughs> True. <laughs> I don't want to go back there. <laughs> True, but it it is it's really like I watched it with uh, 
my my kids and they loved it. They absolutely loved it. Oh, it's good. a great story. Good. And a true one. So and we were just talking about this before we hit record, the Mandalorian. Right. I haven't watched it, but you have and you yeah. love it. And my Fantastic. kids love it. So we have to say Mandalorian oh, is good for twenty. Season two finale though. Like whoa. anyways, you know what else was great about twenty twenty? Baby Yoda. Also, yes. Grogu. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, wife uh, just uh, just brought me a keto cinnamon roll. Oh. Wow. Here. No. Oh, look at this. It's got it's got rolls in it. So 2020 uh, just got yeah. better. Yeah, 2020 you know, just got better. That, that's a thing. I mean, I've uh, I, I've shaved off some pounds in 2020. Um, about 60 by now you know good job like, oh, wow yeah at a boy you know, that's, that's all right i mean i i think that in the midst of a lot of our our normative activities being disrupted there there gives the opportunity uh to kind of reevaluate priorities and maybe not even on a deep level uh but just be like well, what the heck? Might as well try it, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you know, uh, like uh, like haircuts, even. Um, you know, <laughs> like people don't get haircuts right now. They, they didn't, you know, the the or the COVID cut was a thing, and so I'm sure I, I made a huge that, mistake with that. <laughs> I'm I'm sure there's people now who you know who are like, hey, I look really good with with long hair. Like, thank you, COVID. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's there's some uh, some you know being being a a, a guy in the tech industry, uh, definitely some uh, uh, fiduciary uh, benefits uh, in in the form of the stock market from uh, uh, from this COVID thing. Uh, any of the uh, sort of at home based uh, based apps, uh, including uh, one that I may work for, uh, have uh, have skyrocketed. I mean, mm-hmm. so I mean, there there's definitely some net benefits there in the midst of the general kind of uh, uh, aura of suck uh, that <laughs> things have been. Yeah, and, and you know, you you've dropped sixty pounds. I've started cycling. Yeah, I've only wrecked once. <laughs> Cody's a beast. Uh, well, my dad is much more so, and yeah, but you're. I'm on so your glad way. you're actually riding a real bike. Like everyone at right. work. Everyone that were like remote or whatever, it, it, they're on this Peloton craze. Right. I don't like, I don't get it. Like, this is the most like expensive, non moving object. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't get it. Anyway, mm. and, and it, it's what it's like CrossFit or, uh, or, you know, the, the joke with CrossFit is like, how do you know if someone does CrossFit? No, don't worry. They'll tell you. Um, <laughs> And, yeah, uh, a, uh, a a a vegan atheist who does CrossFit walks into a bar. Which one does he tell you about first? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, if we're gonna take it spiritual and yeah deeper, um, just as a pastor and as a as a believer myself, um, I feel like you know there has been. <sighs> just a, a a deeper dependence on the Lord in, in among a lot of Christians. Um, and I see it in my church. I just, I think the, the worship is worship has felt different. Prayers have felt different. Um, spiritual conversations have felt different mm-hmm. teaching from the scripture and having uh, conversations with other believers around the scriptures in large part has felt deeper and richer um, things in the Bible are coming alive. Truth about God, truth about the gospel, certain aspects of it are coming alive in a way that I don't think they were before yeah. the pandemic and this this very difficult year. Because you know, we're just generally speaking in this part of the world, we live so comfortably and we're so self sufficient that um, the notion of radical dependence and um, deep, rich faith and trust that carries us through suffering with joy, I think has been something we've understood only nominally, um, mm-hmm. generally speaking. And I think in the 
pandemic, I've seen I've seen a lot of Christians, and I've felt myself go a lot deeper with that. Yeah, and like even even just on a totally localized level, like our small group is like they don't want to play games. Mm-hmm. It's it's if we're gonna be here, let's make it worth it, mm-hmm. right? Um, so totally agree on everything you said. Um, the the people who are and and this isn't to insult the people who aren't comfortable coming back yet. Cause I do know some people who haven't come back and they have good reasons, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but the people who are sticking around for church, it's like dead gummit. I want to go to church. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're, they're, I guess you could say treasuring, cherishing yeah. Lord's day worship, which is awesome. Uh, this is what's going to get me canceled. All right. So God, I believe is running a reductio ad absurdum on Western culture. Like he's, mm. he's reducing our secularizing worldview to absurdity, which is, which is what secularism leads to, mm-hmm. right? Like you see the wholesale right wing and left wing, like people are just losing their minds. Yep. And soon enough, both of their systems are going to collapse mm-hmm. and they're going to have nowhere else to turn, but God, mm-hmm. and that's going to be good. Yep. Here's what gets me extra canceled. I was going to say because that first part was pretty mild. Like, I'm, right. like, I'm, a, I'm on board right. with that. Like, right. like, is there a question? Mm-hmm. Right. So here's where it really gets spicy. So culturally, even though the LGBT revolution is marching on, every single gay pride parade got canceled this year, and we should be thankful to God for that. Mm. Like, we didn't have X-rated stuff parading Mm. down main streets all over America. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing that Mm -hmm. we should celebrate. Mm -hmm. So whoever has that cancel button, just go ahead and hit it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, yeah, the, the, the mob of the, the mob mentality with those kinds of things got, it got canceled. Yeah. And I think I, I agree. That's a good thing, but there there's, I mean, and anyone who is going to be willing to have um, to, to have conversations and let their thinking be shaped by the authority of Scripture would have to agree with that too. I mean, we're right. not we're not we're not hating on people. We're 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 being thankful that God, in His sovereignty, is restraining evil, right, and restraining the promotion of evil. Um, I'm not, that's not the only thing he's done in 2020, right? but that is certainly something that we can give him thanks for and credit for is that he, in, in, in many ways restrained some of the momentum with, uh, evils like that. And so, yeah, totally agree. Yep. I'll be canceled along with you. Oh, cool. Sign me up boys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I don't. I don't know why I said it like that. Like it's like some. You sounded kind of like a pirate. It's the Sinroll. It's the like Sinroll's got him going. It, it's turned me into like a post-apocalyptic like cyberpunk pirate. See, even, even that I can't stop. I'm, tur- I'm, I'm turning in. <laughs> You've been drinking Red Bull with that. The sexy boat captain's coming out, boys. Oh hoy! Speaking of cyberpunk, that is not one of the good things about 2020. For anybody that keeps up with the video game world, Cyberpunk have, 2077 heard, came out, and it is a wreck. Yeah, I have heard that it is a uh, sl- it, it, it's a poor performing, unoptimized, just buggy pile. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. It's a, it's a video game uh, that that you play on on your computer. It's one of those. <laughs> it's one of those like massive, pretty immersive. I think the map is like. 200 square miles oh my goodness. kinds of things mm-hmm. and the bugs are pretty hilarious mm-hmm. yeah um, and it's one of those games that was developed for like the people who have like the top tier hardware to play mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. <laughs> is it is it a console i mean is, is there a console version now or is it a pc yeah only? yeah it's it's there's, console a, too. there's a console only um yeah because even like in the pc world um I mean, obviously, we're not as standardized as as console gamers. Whereas, like, if you have a PS4 or a PS5 or whatever, you can play this game, no doubt about it. Um, with PC, everything's very subjective. 
Um, so uh, there are different levels of hardware, different manufacturers mm-hmm. of hardware that you can have. And and pretty much everyone who hasn't spent like $4,000 on, on their setup <laughs> is like, might as well be playing like lemmings or snood rather than cyberpunk right it, it just doesn't well even online. even like the base ps4 like it's basically unplayable and yeah. it's the bugs are they're hilarious just look up cyberpunk glitches mm-hmm. on youtube and be entertained um yeah. anyways yeah next question yeah a uh, little bit of a turn here amber shuey so here at here at res with bradley and me mm-hmm. uh why doesn't facebook have a christmas background for posts to choose from but last week had several hanukkah ones i mean you got two options one is christmas hasn't arrived quite yet we'll know next week when this drops or two they're going with the intersectionality thing and well oppression yeah that's all i got i don't really know how to answer that i mean I, I haven't noticed. I, mean, I, I don't. You think also Mark never post. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I Mark don't. Zuckerberg's necessarily uh, in a a uh, uh, you know pro Jewish let's kill Santa Claus cult. I suppose <laughs> it's possible. I, I I would submit that as the third option. Uh, <laughs> the lizard, the lizard people who are turning the frogs yes. gay per Alex Jones. <laughs> the lizard people who, for some reason, are Jewish, uh, <laughs> are and uh, <laughs> I think you know. I don't. We don't need to go down a rabbit trail here. But are you about to pop a conspiracy theory on us? I just think that social media is a huge problem, mm. and it's going to become an increasingly huge problem. Um, in in terms of it, 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 people allow their their worldviews to be shaped so much by that mm-hmm. stream of information, yeah. And the powers that be, I don't think can be trusted. And I think it's a it's a nuclear bomb uh, being played with by some kids who've you know, shouldn't even have firecrackers in their hands. It's just, it's <laughs> just, it, it's, it, it's so much of our worldview and our consciousness is, is shaped by that medium. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you, people don't read the newspaper anymore. What's a newspaper? Yeah. Right. What's a newspaper people, you know, in large part don't even watch like the, at least the ones I talk to, if, if, unless you're North of 50, and you come home and watch Fox News or CNN uh, over dinner. Right. You get all of your information via some form of social media, mm-hmm. and the the and it's normally just headlines. It's right. It's just headlines and sound bites and censored at that. Um, I think that's that's something we have to be willing to admit is happening. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I know that's not Amber's question. I have no idea why Facebook has no right. Christmas background, but I I do think that her question comes from this growing um, concern that I think people should have Mm -hmm. about the, the, how much of our culture is driven by what's on social media. Um, And it can't, I don't, I don't think we can trust it. And I would, I would rephrase what you said. I don't think social media itself is the problem. I think we haven't learned how to use it yet. Very good. Very Um, good. Because it's only 15, 16 years old. That's true. Uh, Facebook at least. That's true. And, you know, it, it took us a long time to get used to things like cable and satellite television True. where we have a billion channels to choose from. Well, True. now you have these social media platforms and, and we haven't figured out. And I think it's particularly on Christians to figure out how we can, we don't have to, you can't bind someone's conscience and sell, sell somebody to post on social media, but figuring out the thought process of how do I engage here? How yeah. do I, how do I even post pictures of, uh, family events or what have you. So, and and yeah. all that stuff is great. I think that's good. I agree yeah. with you, Cody. Yeah. That's much better said. And I think we also have to really hold it loosely and let our, our just how much value and confidence we place in it. We That's, yep. I think it's that, that, that is coming down for a lot of people. And I think that's a good thing. And just mm-hmm. what, what place it occupies in our lives and, um, 
and how much it shapes our that stream of information shapes our worldview mm-hmm. is something we got to be careful with. So I will say on this, uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and the Christmas conspiracy, uh, notwithstanding, <laughs> the lizard people. Yeah, the lizard people. Actually, I'm verifying this. I'm fact checking this right now. How do I? How do I how do the background here? Oh, we've got Christmas ornaments. Oh, good. So that yeah. was added after Amber asked her question. So they there's must, at least that. You don't. They they must have caught wind of, of her suspicion. So you go you go to post, mm-hmm. and then down there. Once you start typing, uh, and, I didn't yeah. even know I could do that. Yeah. Okay, boomer. <laughs> I'm well, such an old fart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just. There's, there's Christmas ornaments, and then is that Ramadan? Yeah. I don't. Wait, know. we're not, um, we're not going to get anything expressly Christian. Oh yeah, it, it'll be the cultural trappings of Chris, of Christmas, which there's nothing well, wrong with those. Well, sure, and like what? I mean, uh, uh, really, the only thing that uh, that could probably be universally acceptable to to everybody who identifies as Christian would maybe be a blue background with a star on it. I mean. Yeah. Uh, Which did you fellers see the? Uh, I totally forgot the uh, convergence it. of Jupiter and Saturn last night. That was pretty cool. We did uh, brought the telescope outside um, because obviously you could see everything with the naked eye. That was the whole point, um, right? But because, in this is my understanding, because of the additional uh, light and shadow, because of the proximity and everything to the naked eye or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Four of Jupiter's moons were visible in. Oh, awesome! The, uh, wow. So that was, I mean, tiny little, uh, little, yep. little dots. But uh, yeah, it was cool. You can see the rings of Saturn and all that stuff. Anyways, I was, I was going to say before I went down on that, uh, that thing. Um, this is the first time I've logged into Facebook uh, since uh, Saturday night. Uh, Saturday night, we were in a conversation about um, something at someone's house, and I was like, I'm going to delete Facebook off my phone. Yeah, and the only problem it caused was I woke, I opened up my phone a couple of times and I scrolled forward and I was going to put on that app just by mechanic. It, it was just muscle memory. It was like, <laughs> open up my phone, swipe, 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 swipe. Like, you look for my little notification badges and like Facebook. And it wasn't there. <laughs> that was it. I don't care. I just logged into it for the first time and Austin Dobbs asked me a question about yep. tremolo and so i answered it um uh, for him um but i missed nothing my life was no worse for the wear of not being on uh, facebook on my phone um although my uh, quality of advertising that probably will go down now uh won't be, uh, <laughs> won't know everything i talk about but um can't win them all yeah all right. Next question. Matthew Winter asks war and capital punishment. And I'll add in there for the sake of the question, self-defense. Should Christians ever kill anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Is that how he phrased it? Should Christians ever kill anybody? Well, yeah. I added the That's, ever and anybody. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was going to say like that, the way you phrased it made it sound like recreation. It's like, <laughs> Should should you ever should we ever should you hunt ever people for sport? Two, yeah, should you ever bowl with two hands? <laughs> <laughs> like like it was just very nonchalant. Like uh, you know, should you ever put put ketchup on a hot dog? You know, it's, it's, you know um, so it's difficult. <laughs> to, it's so, difficult to get in the headspace to answer that question. <laughs> yeah. So I'll I'll start on the on the capital punishment thing. Um, a lot of people will try and say that you know Jesus' sacrifice on the cross should put an end to all capital punishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you see is um, capital punishment actually. You know, if you're gonna go with a, a hard antinomian, you know, oh, we're under grace, we're not under law uh, argument. Well, Genesis 9 is when God instantiates capital punishment. When mm-hmm. he tells Noah, if anybody murders anybody, they die. Mm-hmm. That's that's before the Torah. Mm-hmm. That's before the, uh, the uh, Mosaic law. That's before uh, the covenant at Sinai. Mm-hmm. 
And he gave that to literally the only people in the world. Mm. Therefore, that's binding on all people, mm. in my mind. Um, I could be wrong. And then war, I mean, God <laughs> kind of told Israel to go to war several times and didn't have a problem mm-hmm. with it. Uh, there is such uh, Augustine developed it better than anybody, just war theory. Uh, so do a little Googling on that because he's going to explain it way better than I could. So I, I would echo that. I mean, I think there's so, so many really, really smart people have written about this, this topic and issue. And um, it will s- say it way better than you or I or John could ever mm-hmm. say it. But um, I, I, my thought about it, it, or maybe I could just add this thought to what you just said is that the new Testament affirms the role of government in restraining evil that God uses human government, which we could, we would include with human government military yep. uh, enforcement uh, by police officers, even um, that God uses those institutions to restrain evil in the world and promote good. Um, God's right. ruling over that in this you know span of time that we're in. So when an individual signs up to be a police officer or joins the military and is called upon to take the life of another, you know, i.e. the you know um, Navy SEALs that went in and killed Osama bin Laden, mm-hmm. they're not seeking personal justice. Ultimately, they are they are agents of the United States government seeking justice to eliminate life-threatening evil in the world. And that is uh, something that the New Testament affirms. And so I think we would have to conclude that there is such thing as just war and that Christian men and women can participate in that without sin. Um, Self-defense, I think, is nuanced. Um, Yeah. And and you have to acknowledge that because it's even nuanced in the law. It's it's it very much so. Um, you know, there are times when you know Jesus says, um, "Turn the other cheek." You know, you've heard it said, "An eye for an eye." Mm-hmm. Um, that's not really a self defense um, quote from Jesus, but it, it, he's talking about seeking revenge. So there is a difference between being vengeful and then self defense, defending your home, uh, defending your your loved ones or yourself from life-threatening evil. I think there, there is a point at which that's justified, but it's nuanced and we have to acknowledge that. Right. Mm. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we could uh, glean something from, from looking at, uh, at, at the doctrines of vocation on this one. Good. Is good that, call. Um, you know, in, in vocation as, uh, as, as father, uh, you know, that, or, or as parent, uh, or, as steward of something, I mean, you are charged with uh, with the care and protection of of those uh, you know under you, and and there are uh, unfortunately times that may arise where uh, self defense will be necessary to carry out your execution of that vocation. Uh, I I don't see that as a as a big cognitive, <clears throat> um, but uh, you know, finding a scriptural reference for if someone busts in your door, you know, shoot them. Like no, I, I don't. I don't see a necessarily thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's uh, so yeah, absolutely nuanced, contextual. You do have in the law if if someone breaks in your house and it's in the middle of the night, and you kill them, then you're you're good. That's, and then it, and that's then it has castle doctrine though. Nebraska right, doesn't have that. Uh, yeah. But it also it also turns around and says if they if they break into your house and I don't remember all of the context and and the and the sun comes up on them and you go ahead and kill them. Well, then that is on you. Mm -hmm. So there's something there about, you know, the unknown or, you know, uh, if that other person is defenseless, even if they're in the wrong, that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, I think we would all agree like Christians shouldn't relish, you know, we shouldn't want, we shouldn't be sitting here wanting someone to break into our house so we can, you know, pump a few rounds into them. No, so uh, train, train and prepare and pray that's not necessary. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, another question from Brian Morris. 
thing. We got a couple more heavy ones, but the next one after this is going to be funny. So, uh, Brian Morris asks, should the church be more concerned about critical race theory or Trumpism? <laughs> I think it depends on the church. Uh, yeah. Wow. What a great question, Brian. Um, <clears throat> like they're, they're both, they're both toxic and I think they're both different sides of the same coin because they're ultimately identity politics driven. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, and the, the, I'm not, I, it, it seems to me that Trumpism in, in many ways is fueled by a, a reaction to right. critical race theory. Um, not, not in every way, but in a lot of ways, it's, it's, it's a, it's almost like a, it's a reaction um, mm-hmm. in some ways. And I think both are, both have enormous problems. Um, and so it, the answer to the question might be yes. Yeah. You, you yeah. Know, like, like, yeah, both are, we we have to we have to be willing to acknowledge the the just fallacies and in, in both mm-hmm. i think right i mean that's a great question i'd have to and and i would think i really think it depends on the church like here in in greer at res i would like just looking at the facebook posts after 2020 you know we had a couple of people who may have leaned in some CRTI kind of ways, but I think probably at least in our context, it's more likely it's more likely people could err on the side of Trumpism. Yeah, that's true. Whereas somebody uh, say in, in a conservative church in New York city may be more influenced by critical race theory. Sure. I, I think that's a great point. I agree. And and I I think you actually see that coming out with some of the stuff Tim Tim Keller's put out lately, like nothing heretical, but just like and David Platt too. Yeah, uh, I mean you yeah. know he's he's kind of between us and and Keller it, geographically, but he's I, I think I mentioned on the podcast um, uh, the book that he wrote um, just prior to the election, uh, six questions to ask before you vote or something like that. Mm-hmm. I I. I saw where he was getting a lot of criticism online about this book and, and from the church, from the church world. And I was surprised by that. And and you read the book and there's, uh, you know, there, there are hints, there are just little echoes of critical race theory yeah, uh, scattered throughout the book. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a good point that in our church, we might really have to um, be more concerned about Trumpism. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere else, critical race theory, but both are hugely problematic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I uh, it reminds me of that uh, that Ortega that meme from the Ortega commercial. Why not both? Yeah, <laughs> that is one of my favorite memes, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I could bring it up to the yes, uh, the top of your brain. But yeah, what what do you see there in, in Nebraska, John? Like not Bible Belt, not super metropolitan. We see, we absolutely see both. Uh, we absolutely see both as prevalent. In fact, there there was a um, you know something that that really threw me for a loop is there was a, a, a message. I'm not going to call it a sermon. Um, that uh, one of one of our uh, uh, pastoral staff members at Christ uh, gave to the congregation on uh, on critical race theory. Um, I, I wouldn't say that it was a it was a sermon because it didn't it didn't like uh, exposit scripture it didn't walk us through anything uh, didn't necessarily proclaim the gospel in any sort of uh, in in any sort of direct way um, but it was important to the point where it, and it wasn't supportive of of uh, critical race theory it was uh, um, antithetical to it um, mm-hmm. uh, but that was deemed important enough uh, to to bring up uh, and describe why that's not really compatible with a Christian worldview. I don't feel that was the best kind of format or forum to to do that. I mean, it's very much uh, presenting something uh, that people will have a lot of questions about in a format where you can't really ask questions. Um, 
but nonetheless, the issue was deemed important enough uh, for our uh, for our context. As far as Trumpism, um, you know, the the most heavy stuff I see is is what I guess what I would categorize as is radical Trumpism, and that's that's mm-hmm. the uh, the adherence to uh, things like QAnon, and mm, yeah. uh, that. Trump is Trump is our our savior against the pedophiles of the world, and there's uh, I mean, like it, it just sounds silly even even mentioning that, but you know there there is there's seemed to have been a a, a connection brewed between QAnon and uh, and anti-vax and all of these uh, sort of uh, anti. Uh, establishment things i mean that that this new vaccine developed by bill gates under the auspices of pfizer and moderna mm-hmm. is going to implant a microchip in you uh that for for some reason it'll let them control your brain and track yeah. your movements and, and but w- what's super strange is the same people that kind of buy into that by the way if you have a phone you already have microchip in you like don't like don't yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and know where you're at like don't yep. do bad things and, and bradley and i are sitting here with uh with apple watches on so right, exactly yeah. Yeah, we, we literally wear it. heart rate they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah like you know uh like uh, tim cook sitting there over in cupertino oh cody's getting excited that's that's neat <laughs> yeah. yeah right um but there's some weird connection uh there that 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 is brought and I don't want to say gullible because there are very intelligent people who have fallen into these traps. Um, and there, there just seems to be a, a connection between that. And, and then I've, I've seen it in, in my own personal day to day, um, via Facebook, which is one of the reasons I'm so thankful that uh, I took it off my phone. But I, I've blocked people because I'm just so tired of seeing this um, this incredibly uh, pro-Trump, not, not pro-conservatism, not pro-Republican, but pro this individual mm-hmm. who is going to save us from whatever plight it is we find ourselves in. And... Uh, if, and that's certainly from from people uh, who are are local. I mean, everyone has their preferences. Everyone has their um, uh, those which they choose to support. They all have their political viewpoints, uh, which uh, they are entitled to uh, rally for and uh, and discuss. Uh, but there just seems to be a. Uh, uh, this extremism that uh, that takes things uh, just a bit too far, and and we absolutely see both of that where we're at. Because you're exactly right. I mean, we're not uh, Bible Belt. We're not super uh, uh, kind of liberal. I mean, we are literally, and not just geographically. We're literally right in the middle. So right, both, both, and both, and. All right, Jared Hartley asks, after listening to last week's, so two weeks as we're recording, uh, Inquisition on Dancing, why does Bradley hate Baptists? <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> I don't even remember. Something. Someone asked something about dance, and I don't know. We might have ripped on Southern Baptists a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Bradley, for, for why the do rec- you hate the Southern Baptists? For the record... <laughs> For the record, regardless of how you might have interpreted previous statements I've made, I have great respect for the Southern Baptist Convention. In fact, if I had my life to do over with again, um, I would join the Southern Baptist Convention. Oh, interesting. Uh, I, I, because I, I think, and I say that, um, I, I say that in the sense that if I were going to be a part of a denomination. Yeah. Um, I think it would be the Southern Baptists because there's room doctrinally in their doctrinal statements for me to be a continuationist uh, and also to be reformed mm-hmm. um, and um, 
be a Calvinist and be be absolutely committed to the sovereignty of God. I, like there's room for me to be that in the Southern Baptist Convention, right? And and I think denominationally speaking, I mean it's it's got its warts just like any any denomination does. But the right. the the organization and the structure of it, I like the way it's run. I like their governance. I like um, the the autonomy they give the local church and as well as the support. Uh, that they give the local church. So, um, no, I do not hate Southern Baptists at all. I, every every denomination has its reproach that needs to be, you know, borne by right. by those who are apart. But uh, I don't hate the Southern Baptists. I think my 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 main confusion around the Southern Baptist Convention is like with say for Presbyterianism the churches are autonomous and then the ministers answer to the presbytery and, and it kind of escalates if something has to, um, with the Southern Baptist convention, you don't have that kind of recourse. Mm -hmm. Like at at best you could kick the church out of the convention, uh, say if, if they insist on flying the Confederate battle flag, right? Exactly. Um, I'm pretty sure that actually has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, but if, if, for instance, someone starts uh, denying the hypostatic union and they're in the SBC, there's not really any, no, you can't do that. It's just the church can go, you know? Yeah, and that may be a weakness in it. So, um, I, it, just, it I just like that their, their leadership continues to pastor local churches. Um, right. The denomination Absolutely. I grew up in... Um, elected officials, you know, stepped into full-time jobs with huge salaries and mm-hmm. and many of them are for all intents and purposes career politicians in mm. that denomination and totally detached from the local church and the needs of the local church and yep. and that creates this top-heavy kind of feel in the in the denomination where um even though they would not admit it or say it 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 reality is the local church is seen as a means to an end rather than the denomination as a means to an end in the local church. And, uh, and the local church is exists to prop up this organization um, is really how it plays out. Mm. But in the SBC, it's the opposite, which, so there, there's probably some personal bias there that actually leads me to affirm the Southern Baptist um, yeah. as opposed to being negative about it. Yeah, and and you even see that same general feel with Presbyterianism too, as you know that that overall structure exists to support what's going on in local churches. It's not about this top down, exactly, exactly. Uh, top heavy. You know, like what you could see in certain abuses of Episcopalianism, mm-hmm. or, or at least an Episcopalian style of governance, like mm-hmm. what what we see with the Roman Catholic Church. Sure, sure. I'm a Lutheran. <laughs> I was going to say, John, it's it, it's a toss up for me between SBC and Lutheran. I, 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 I'm torn, but don't, Lutherans have a, a more Presbyterian style of denomination, right? Uh, similar. So sort of. we 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 have a hierarchical kind of governance organization, um, and there is a notion of ecclesiastical supervision. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, not it's it's weird when because everything that is is for for a confessional Lutheran church, everything that is organized smells very deeply of Roman Catholic tradition um, <laughs> because that's where it came from. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's no, yeah. it's like, no, this is totally two separate things. Like, no, that's where it came from. But that causes a bit of an identity crisis um, because they're like, but we're not Catholic. No. So we're going to have, we're not going to have bishops and archbishops. We're going to have uh, a district presidents. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and synodical presidents. <laughs> and the synodical presidents will have, have first vice presidents and second vice presidents. You means like 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 archbishops and bishops? No, no, nothing <laughs> like that. Because they're not going to have any. They're not going to be able to, to discipline the people under them unless mm. unless they all get together. You mean 
what like like a council or, or, or a senate? No, no, mm-hmm. not nothing, nothing <laughs> like or a diet, perhaps. Yeah, it's it, <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty silly. But the general the general whatnot of it is is there's a supervisory sort of um, uh, shepherding, so kind of like. Uh, father superior mother or monsignor and mother superior sort of vibe mm-hmm. where it's like the district president isn't your pastor to the pastors in the in in the churches um but the uh, the district president serves as the kind of the uh the figurehead for um all of the efforts that all of these churches kind of rally together to do you know for instance uh a big thing for the Nebraska district is uh, the chapel at uh, the University of Nebraska Lincoln, and uh, so the uh, the district president serves as uh, as a member of that board, as a figurehead speaking for the district, which is which is really outside of the district just being a uh, uh, a resource to the churches underneath of it, either uh, helping with the call process or um, maintaining a library of certain materials or, um, you know, handling, uh, uh, handling delegate selection for the national conventions where like the, the synodical president is, uh, is elected and stuff like that. There's no real like finger waving all the time. Although that that's certainly a thing. It's not a ecclesiastical supervision in the sense that we would see, in maybe an Anglican or Roman Catholic sort of thing. It's, it's this kind of awkward hybrid. And, and I'm sure that if I, if I were to, to grab our, um, our actual constitution, I could give, which I have somewhere, um, I could give a, uh, a much more intelligent answer, but it is very much <laughs> kind of on, on just the cusp there. Um, but it's certainly modeled after uh, after Roman form and, and function. Uh, there's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Just without the uh, um, the the ability to to excommunicate someone because you get your jimmies wrestled a little bit, <laughs> or the fancy hats. Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. You know, here- Dang it! I want a miter. Like there, there's so like there are many things that I want in this life. I want a big old miter right on top, and I want to just just like stand on a balcony and just do like the two finger wave. Hmm. You know, I want to be an icon, hmm. not like iconic, but I want to be an icon. literally an icon. Yes, hmm. I want I want someone to paint me wearing wearing my sexy boat captain sweater, a big old white miter. Uh, you know, that's, that'd be great. That'd be a Christmas present right there. You know, here's a thought. I'd be interested, you know, to see if we get some fodder on this in the, in the lounge, um, doctrinal and traditional distinctives aside, if the listeners were to go in the lounge and maybe you could even do a post if you wanted to. I mean, maybe you yeah. guys think it's a dumb idea. You do a post that prompts everybody listening to do this, but to to give like a, a one to two sentence descriptor of the pros and cons of your denominational experience. And and we could include in that non-denom if if you if you've grown up mm-hmm. in or you're serving in currently a non-denominational church uh, from a I guess an organizational and cultural standpoint is really what I'm thinking about as opposed to the distinctives of doctrine and particular worship traditions. Mm -hmm. What, what organizationally and culturally, what's, what are the pros and cons of your denominational experience Mm -hmm. and to maybe do an episode on that with our own takes. I mean, you've got some, and I don't know if we've done this before. Maybe we have, we've done so many episodes, but I mean, you coming up in, um, Church of Christ, Church of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Lutheran, and me growing up in the Pentecostal church, um, and now, you know, here we are. Uh, John is really the only one who still has a denominational tie per se. Um, like, I, th- I just think that's interesting to me because, like, so much. Of, I had lunch with um, a guy here in town last week or the week before. 
who grew up in the SBC, uh, is serving in an SBC church here in town, young guy, and his time at this particular SBC church is coming to an end. And in our conversation, I found that he was so intrigued by because I invited him to come here and basically intern because he he wants he sees himself being in full time local church ministry. Um, but his time at this church is coming to an end, and I invited him in in the space of time between now and when he figures out what's next for him to just come and sort of intern and see how we do things at Res, get a feel for our culture and what we're all about. And what I sensed was just this real tension in him uh, of the the SBC culture and the organization. We're not talking about doctrinal or or traditional distinctives, but the culture and the organization is somewhat of a safety net for him, and he's afraid mm-hmm. to let go of it. Um, it and 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 that was just interesting to me. And honestly, I feel like he needs to be exposed to a, a broader range, a broader spectrum of the church world. Um, but you know, regardless, if 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 the listeners are interested, I'd be interested to talk about that because I yeah, I'd, it's a little, it's be, a bit fascinating to me. Yeah, I'd I'd be interested in that as well. I mean, you know, there, there's a whole reason why I use the the phrase Augsburgian in my intro, right? Um, and that honestly started after I went to the national convention. It's not that that I feel that flies affront uh, to uh, uh, to to Lutheran confessional theology. But when your denomination comes out and and just plasters joyfully Lutheran all over to everything, and Lutheran this and Lutheran that, as if Lutheran is your identity rather than a redeemed child of Christ, mm-hmm. or child of the Father, mm-hmm. redeemed by Christ, um, we've 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 lost we've lost the point. Like, if you want to describe your confession, fantastic. But that's no longer what the word Lutheran means to Lutherans. Mm. It it it's caught up in this this jumble of of tradition and uh, and Martin Luther memes and uh, jokes about you know you can't sit in the front that's not what Lutherans do and, and like as if there's something about it, but even to a completely different level like like there's something more special about being Lutheran that, that takes the focus completely off of Christ. And mm-hmm. I, I'm sure the people who, who would be a proponent of, of the source of like, no, no Luther, you know, Lutheran theology in its essence is glorifying to Christ. It's like, okay, I'll buy that. But it's saying Lutheran, this Lutheran, this I'm a Lutheran, you're a Lutheran, joyfully Lutheran. Let's go have a Marty party. Like we mentioned a number, a number of weeks ago, like, like, is that, is that glorifying to Christ? Does that magnify the gospel? Does that tell anybody mm. <clears throat> what you're about, mm-hmm. what you hold true to? Now, arguably, using the phrase Augsburgian confuses more people because they're like, oh, I've been, to, <laughs> I've been to a Lutheran church before. You've never been to an Augsburgian church before. Um, but if we, if, you know, if we go all the way back to these 15, 20 something or other, I mean, the, the Augsburg confession presented by, you know, written by Luther and Melanchthon presented to the princes of Saxony or presented by the princes of Saxony to the Holy Roman emperor. I mean, that is the formative confession of, of our faith. And, uh, I mean, take it all the way back, back to the source where it's, it's nothing, but this is what we believe, uh, about scripture. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I, you know, and, and I, I'm not saying that everyone should say I'm a, I'm a Westminster Christian. I'm a 1689 Christian. Augsburgian just has a nice ring to it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But, <clears throat> you know, there, there is something in that where your denominational identity, uh, has, has overtaken what it even means uh, to be a member of that denomination or to believe uh, in line with what that denomination believes. 
Um, so yeah, I, I would love to have a, a, a ongoing discussion about this with, uh, with our lounge members for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am making that post right now. So I don't forget, uh, two more questions should be relatively quick. Hunter Chapin asks women aren't supposed to preach or lead men. So does contemporary worship then require male only vocal leadership? I've never thought about that before, but I don't think I could go there. No. <clears throat> I mean, I go ahead, John. Oh, I, I was just going to say is, you know, this is a topic that comes up kind of under, you know, under the, uh, um, it's never, I should say, it's never brought up 100% as, as plainly as this, but uh, every quote worship leader um, that, that is to, to say front man, right. Um, for uh, the, the band at our church has always been a guy. And that's not to say that we don't have female led songs. We have plenty of them. I think the last few weeks uh, have, we, we've actually had more, uh, uh, female led than than male vocal led, um, and of course, you know there's that's more of a musical decision than anything. But the worship leader themselves, that role for whatever reason, hit, um, it's never been asked because it's no one who's not a guy has ever expressed interest in it. And I wonder if that's because there seems to be this unspoken norm that that's not okay. Mm. I mean, because this is something that, you know, it's, I mean, it's very, uh, uh, very heavily dealt with in, in the, and I'll, I will say Lutheran in this case, in, in the Lutheran circles, um, where uh, there are churches who have an issue, like, let's say you have a, uh, um, a, a female director of children's ministry. Um, there are churches that have an issue with that director. Um, giving a children's message prior to the sermon in the normal worship service where kids would go up and gather around and listen, but there are adults there as well. There are people who have an issue with that. Um, we had a, a snafu with a Christmas program not too long ago. And uh, um, like for whatever reason, I wasn't involved. I'm not going to speak to it, but there, there was some tension there still, still in our church where we're certainly we're not we're not ordaining women, but we're thanking God and, and glorifying God for for the for the work that uh, not only women do in our midst, but the diverse and specialized skill that they have for anything from uh, from caregiving to certainly teaching. But at the same time, we also get our reference of what these roles are supposed to look like from Scripture, um, right? So. I would love to think that in our very, our rather cut and dry understanding of these things, it wouldn't be an issue. Totally still an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The more, but, the more I think yeah. about that, that passage, it's, it's specifically talking about the role of an elder and the preaching in Lord's day worship. Like that's, I think, and I think that's where it stays. It's not talking about, exhortation it's not necessarily mm-hmm. talking about even reading a passage or leading a prayer or anything like that now obviously different denominations will expand it to that mm-hmm. and i can't you know i can't ream them out for that but i think that's where i'm i land pretty much well, on that right i don't i don't think that paul is prohibiting a woman to teach in all contexts right um and I, I I agree with you. I think the the specific issue he's addressing there is um, women exercising authority at the level of an elder, teaching at the level of an elder, exercising authority over men as an elder. Uh, that's the way I interpret it. So people can you know challenge me on that if they want. But uh, there there's no getting around the fact that the New Testament does affirm women teaching in some contexts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. The, the women should te- the older women should teach the younger women, and then you got Priscilla and Aquila pulling Apollos aside and giving him some correction. So there there are cases in which women are exercising six significant roles of leadership in the church. You know, you got Romans sixteen when what's her name is 
is is affirmed by the Apostle Paul um, as a significant leader in the church. Um, not again, not an elder, um, not teaching as an elder, but really, really important. Really, really important roles in the church. And so, um, I just think it's it's you're extrapolating that too far if you are getting all tied up in knots. If a woman, if a children's ministry director gives a child sermon in during the Lord's Day worship, um, because the children are in the sanctuary. I think you're getting way too tied up in knots about that if you are concerned about a woman leading worship in in terms of leading songs or whatever. Because, you know, I think of that as, you know, um, everybody from from Stephen to uh, our worship minister here to Mandy, our children's ministry director, uh, to you, to the women on our praise team and the men on our praise team is that all that's happening here is under the authority of the elders. Mm -hmm. It's under the oversight of the elders and all of our elders are men and that's the way it's going to stay. And, you know, know, and I I think, (laughs) I think you've got to be really careful. Um, You know, like if you give, um, if you give a woman an opportunity to teach from the scripture and expound on the scripture, I think that, you know, in a lot of contexts is a good thing. Like, I don't, I don't see any prohibition from a, a, your wife works right alongside you and leading a small group and opening the scriptures and leading right. in biblical discussion. That's, that's good. And that's right. And that should be affirmed by the church. And I think, I think we're missing the heart of the new Testament. Um, if we, you know, get, get, start getting so tied up in knots over this. I think it's important that we're clear about elders and the gender, um, the gender restrictions that the New Testament applies to that. I think that's important because you, you remove that. And then I think you, your, your biblical, um, hermeneutic starts to unravel with other things that could get really sticky. And so, I, I, you know, I, I don't affirm women to be ordained as elders in a church, uh, but certainly they can serve as ministers and play si- significant roles of leadership. Yep. So last question, Scott Hamilton asked, what are your favorite Christmas treats? <sighs> I, my wife's so... Christmas cookies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do so enjoy good. Christmas cookie. Um, the, uh, not particularly right now, of course, but um, the uh, also I, I moved my, uh, my I just moved my desk around and my mic boom was in a terrible spot, and so now I'm more comfortable. You know, just in time for the last question. Um, the uh, I mean, just like generic Christmas treats, like you go to a, a Christmas party or someone brings a platter of Christmas treats. My favorite thing on those is a white chocolate covered pretzel with like uh like the green or red sugar crystals like sprinkled on it. All right. Those a lot. But my favorite is uh uh my grandmother's who is uh who is at rest with Christ. Uh she makes made uh my mom makes them now these treats called yo-yos. And uh some people uh, apparently know what these are. Um and they are kind of this like yellow cake sort of cookie um, that are done in like half rounds. And then you, when they're done, you melt a, uh, a Hershey's Kiss in the middle. And so they look like little yo-yos or, or actually they look like cheeseburgers, really. I mean, they, they, look like, they, they look like you got a bun and you've got a burger in the middle. They, they were always my favorite. And I, I don't... I don't know if that was just because like grandma never made a ton of them because they, they were apparently a lot of work. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, still my favorite. And, I'll tell you the uh, worst Christmas treat ever. Oh no. So uh, Mary's grandmother, who's at rest with Jesus now, when we would go over to Mary's parents for Christmas, um, you know, there would be kind of the morning ritual of, we wake up, the kids would open their presents from Mary's mom and dad. And then we would go literally across the yard to Mary's grandmother's and she would make what we called brick breakfast. Uh, because the, it, it, 
all myself and all of Mary's family, we have sensitive morning stomachs, right? It just takes us a while to get going. (laughs) But she would make this incredible spread that was just full of things that were super heavy. And the worst part of it was she called them orange juice balls. These things were the worst. And it was like she would not leave you alone until you ate one. She would hover over you and the i can't even describe to you how bad these things tasted it's like sour just oh it's terrible terrible <laughs> well, bless, bless your heart yes bless my heart <laughs> uh i mean in terms of treats uh often not every single year uh for christmas morning my my family will eat the mississippi recipe of chocolate gravy Mm. And uh, so you eat that with biscuits. Yum. And uh, it is, John, I see that face you're making, and you are absolutely incorrect. No, you see, the gravy that goes on biscuits, you make from flour and milk and sausage and black pepper and occasionally red pepper or coffee. Right. And I'm totally on board with that. Yeah. this This is gravy, but it is chocolate. So. And you can pour it over the biscuit. You can break the biscuit up into the gravy and eat it like soup. It's so thick. Now, is, a reg- is it a regular br- biscuit? Like a regular like powder regular. milk biscuit? Yep. Yep. Interesting. It is glorious. Hmm. And uh, we often eat that on Christmas. And you can't eat it that much more often because it'll y'all kill you. Da- y'all down there. And like you got your y'all arms down there. crossed somewhere. Like... Uh, <laughs> Like is that South Carolina that does like the 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 mayonnaise barbecue sauce? Or South Car- South Carolina's mustard is the mustard. No, Alabama's and, and pra- mayonnaise. And, pra- and praise be <laughs> the father of all for the sweet mustard uh, barbecue sauce. No, uh, Alabama's the white Alabama's sauce. Alabama's the white sauce. Yeah, I don't know. Like mm, that's not even barbecue. That's not even barbecue. That's just Alabama hardly qualifies as a state. So (laughs) (laughs) thanks to all our listeners from Alabama, listeners in Birmingham. (laughs) Our listenership went down by by one and a third. This show brought to you by Birmingham, (laughs) Alabama. Oh, so well. Thanks for listening all year or most of the year, or whatever, and I guess we'll see in 2021. I don't really know how to end this. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year! There we go.